1: We want to take a moment to remind you of an opportunity we have coming up in September. Our 2019 Ladies' Conference will be held on Friday, September 20th through Saturday, September 21st. This year's theme is Living Wise in a Foolish World. And you can find out more and sign up on our website at www.hbc-boise.org. That's www.hbc-boise.org. Well, this week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue in the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. If you're at all familiar with the religious leaders of Jesus' day, you know that the Pharisees and Sadducees were considered by themselves, as well as the Jewish people at large, to be the authoritative spokesmen for God and the best examples of what it meant to be a godly person. But Jesus thought different and made that very clear. And this fact has to cause us to wonder, are there those today who think they represent God on earth, who are thought by the people to be the best representative of God's truths, but who Jesus would judge to be his enemies and in direct opposition to God? Well, it was true then, and it should be no wonder that it would be true right now the question we have to ask ourselves is are we friends or foes to Jesus at the same time that we declare ourselves to be Christians? There will be much to consider as you listen in on today's slice of the sermon entitled Following or Fighting Jesus.
0: The whole idea of being a Pharisee is being separated from people and things. The very word Pharisee, it comes from a word horizon, which is a separating line. It separates the sky from the, from the land, right? So the, a Pharisee is one who marks off the boundaries, draws the lines, if you will. And they define spirituality by being separated from everything and everyone whom they regarded as unworthy of their contact or everything that, that might defile them. And their extreme separation far beyond what the scriptures tell us the scriptures do tell you to be separate from sin but theirs was a a, a way beyond that it was a big part of the reason that they absolutely could not accept that jesus was their messiah it just didn't fit their mold at all the pharisees made the fundamental error of defining spirituality primarily by what you don't do and what you can show other people. Now, they also had a number of things that they did require, but you would immediately be condemned and scorned and rejected by the Pharisees if you hung out with the wrong people or you were seen at the wrong places. And boy, the home of a tax collector, that's the wrong place to be. They regarded themselves as righteous, and they just assumed... Oh, 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 I'm sure the Messiah is coming. And when He gets here, He would be honored and thrilled to meet us. He would want to join our group. What were they like? Well, they required giving alms to the poor. That's not a bad thing, but they turned it into a public display. They required fasting twice a week. Do you know how often God required fasting? Once a year. You could fast for other reasons as often you wanted. They as often as you wanted to, but they required it twice a week and they loved to call attention to themselves when they were doing it. They required reciting certain ritual prayers and and doing certain rituals like the ceremonial hand washing and they made sure that people saw them doing it over and over. Everything they did was to show off and to impress people and that's why Jesus says of them, Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Somebody saw you and they were impressed. Wow, aren't you cool. They regarded themselves as too holy to hang around with people that didn't subscribe to to all their rules. So they they come and say, why is He eating and drinking with tax collectors and, and, and sinners? He just didn't fit their mold. One of the worst things they could think of to call Jesus was a friend of sinners and of tax collectors. Read about it if you'd like in Luke chapter 7. Jesus explains, yeah, what, what's this generation like? Well, well, John came and he was a little bit weird and he didn't eat and drink like you wanted, so you said he has a demon. And then the Son of Man comes along and he does eat and drink and you say, why, he's a, a, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. There, there's no winning with you guys. The only way to win with you guys is to say, you're right and everybody else is wrong and do exactly what you want us to do. Self-righteous, arrogant Pharisees couldn't think of a more awful name to call Jesus than a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So what the Pharisees regarded as a scandal was the grace of God. (laughs) Jesus came to call sinners to repent. He he reached out to undeserving sinners. Now here's the irony of self-righteousness. Self-righteousness condemns true righteousness you know they they murdered jesus now think about that if if jesus were to show up today i know that's hard to fathom but if he were to show up and i don't mean in his glorious second coming if he were to be born on earth today if he were to be in a culture like ours there would probably be a murder plot against him because he was too holy what did the pharisees and the sadducees want to murder him for He wasn't holy enough. Now the truth is, He was perfectly holy. But He didn't fit their mold of their self-righteousness. So they were offended. Jesus calls and Matthew follows. Matthew is saved and he throws a big reception party to celebrate and invite his friends, and many of them start following the Savior. And the, and the hypocrites are just offended. But now I want you to see what happens when Jesus explains what he's actually doing. It's in verse 17. And hearing this, yeah, you know, we saw it last time. He knew what was in their hearts. They didn't even ask the question. They were just reasoning about it, and he answers the question. Um, remember, he'd already shown them that he forgives sins, and he backed it up with a, with a miracle. And these guys are going around the edges and pulling a part that is pulling the disciples aside. I can see them pick, you know, taking James or John or Peter or Andrew and saying, "You know, he's he's eating with tax collectors and and, and, and sinners. What do you what do you think of this?" Jesus hears it. He knew it before they said it. Hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. And if you read Luke's version, he adds two more words that explain it. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Repentance. Jesus is calling you to a life of repentance, confessing and turning from your, from your sin every day. That's the single most clear evidence of your forgiveness. There's, there's no such thing as forgiveness without an ongoing awareness of sin. And the regular habit of confession. 1 John 1 9, it, it, that's not a once for all transaction. Uh, confess your sins and, and, and everything is, is okay forever. Yes, you, you are secure in Christ, but there's a present tense there. If we are always continually confessing our sins, He is faithful and righteous to be forgiving us our sins on a daily cleansing basis. That's what it means the Lord reached out and pursued the repentant unrighteous ones and He rejected the unrepentant self-righteous Pharisees. Now, He makes this into a little parabolic statement. It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Have you ever called up your doctor's office and said, I feel so good today. I've got to see you right away. You don't you don't do that. You, you go in your, now it's okay to have a wellness checkup. I get that. Okay. I you know, go get your flu shot, that's a good idea. But you understand what he's saying? It's it's not the healthy that need a physician. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous. He means the self-righteous. You guys, I came to call sinners to repent. When you realize you need a savior that's when you're going to come to me. And if you refuse to think that you need a Savior because you're doing grading on the curve, I'm a little better than somebody else, I ought to get in, and they ought not, that's a problem. When a person is convicted of his or her sin, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, that person cries out to God in repentance and faith and God will do what that man cannot do. I told you about the universal invitation to salvation. Jesus put no limitations on that. You weary? You heavy laden? Come to me. I'm the one who will give you rest for your souls. That's the universal call to salvation. The effective call. What gets a person saved is when, by the work of the Holy Spirit, there is conviction of sin and there is repentance. And God always gets his man. That's when he says, Follow me. That's the effective call to salvation. Those who are sick refers to the people who know they need help. People like Matthew, Levi, they know they need a Savior. By the phrase, those who are healthy, he means speaking with irony. If you think you're healthy, you don't need me. Well, you do need me, but you don't know you need me. You won't admit you need me. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.